Stone gets the puck after the drop. Petrangelo shoots, save, and a rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson finds the puck in the slot, pots the rebound, and the Knights are back in the lead, 3-2. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Without it, oh, and a tip puck and a shot, they score! Michael Abadio, the Knights win it in overtime! 5-4 Vegas! A double overtime victory for the Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard. Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... And we have an opponent. The Vegas Golden Knights have their Western Conference final opponent. It is the Dallas Stars. Dallas dispatches Seattle in Game 7, 2-1. Jake Ottinger. Thanks for your time. Phenomenal performance, and it sets up the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars Western Conference Final, the return of Pete DeBoer. Are we going to do this dance every morning? My feet are sore. Come on. <laughs> okay, I got I to gotta ask you, did, did you put those back in, or have you had those? No, they they have always been in there, and I was so disappointed that I left right when the, when the series got good with Edmonton, because I've got this too. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? You think he's still pissy? Well, I mean, he's certainly pissy after the way the season ended, but that is not something we have to spend a lot of time on. The Edmonton Oilers are eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights, and now we've got our final four in the National Hockey League, the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. That's the Eastern Conference final, and the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars. That is the two teams in the West. We've got a lot to get to. On this show today, we'll talk with Jeff Sharples in a little bit. We've got John Shannon coming up around 4.30. We'll hear from Pete DeBoer in hour number two. And then we've got one-timers coming up in hour number two. News and notes from around the National Hockey League. But there he is. I'm sorry, I had a call from National Hockey League coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just checking in and seeing what I thought. Down huh. to the Final Four. Interesting. my brain a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, you got, you got 28 coaches. Aren't doing anything. Uh huh. Yeah. So they're all trying to stay in the loop and obviously, do stuff. So they're, they, obviously if they're every, every, you, every now and then I get a call. On I get a, yeah. I get a lot of calls uh, from from people checking in. So uh, just bouncing some stuff, and that's where I get some of my intel. Is just yeah, just gleaming off of the uh, the information and the intelligence of National Hockey League head coaches. So that's what I was doing. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, chatting about. Uh, so we're uh, we're back to practice tomorrow. Today was like in the last little pause of things. Uh, Jeff Sharples is going to join us in just a little bit, a former National Hockey League uh, defenseman. He was invested in that Edmonton-Vegas series mm-hmm. because he watches as much hockey as anybody not in our business. Sure. And he watches Edmonton a lot, and he had some real solid opinions on Edmonton in October. Okay. And a lot of it came to fruition. So I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to talk to uh, Sharples and then John Shannon, just a little bit about what's going on in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Along with oh, Vegas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The he Toronto does not. So this will be weird for Shannon because he works <laughs> a little bit for Winnipeg uh, media mm-hmm. and does uh, some games in Edmonton mm-hmm. and then is on our show mm-hmm. uh, once a week. Yeah. 
now against Dallas, he doesn't have anything to do with Dallas stars and Dallas media. Sure. So he can he can jump fully on our bandwagon. Well, that'll be interesting. I, I can't wait to get John on the show. I can't wait to hear his thoughts and opinions on Vegas and Dallas, what I think is going to be a very entertaining an incredibly close series. Well, I was going to say of all the cities that he he all the markets he's on, this is clearly the best city for him to come on because oh. this is the only franchise that seems to win. Wow, <laughs> taking a shot at Canada. So, uh, I actually 30 years, baby. Let's let's years. go down that path. Mm-hmm. I proclaim today mm-hmm. that Canada should be cheering for the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. That the Vegas Golden Knights should have the backing mm-hmm. of the Great White North. Sure. Based on being the northernmost team that's remaining in the Final Four. Okay. Down to 0.3 percentage points of, of the latitude scale mm-hmm. ahead of Raleigh. Okay. It's that close. Right. It's that close. But Vegas, based on that, by three-tenths of latitude percentage... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm is the northernmost team left in the Stanley Cup playoffs, so that should automatically become Canada's team. So I brought that up to somebody, and they said, mm, Winnipeg and Edmonton might have an issue okay, with, so, with that. Yeah, see, but I think now when the national anthem is sung at T-Mobile Arena, yeah. the fans now have to say, "True." Oh, oh wait, there's no more there's o Canada. No, I wonder why there's no more O-Canada. Uh, that's because the Golden Knights are responsible for eliminating two-thirds of Canadian <laughs> two-thirds. teams. Uh, here is uh, Jeff Sharples, who joined us on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, do you think Canada should adopt the Vegas Golden Knights as its team? <laughs> well, good afternoon, fellas. I hope you're doing well. Um, I Quit mean, stalling. I, I, we, we come from up there, right, Mallard? Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, they're our team down here now. I mean, obviously I have a soft spot for Detroit and some of the other teams around the league. But, uh, you know, it's funny. A couple of years ago, everybody just absolutely loved the Knights, and then they had some success, and they weren't as loved uh, outside the Valley as our, the state of Nevada or Western U.S. as they were. But, uh, yeah, why not? I mean, uh, you got some great stories, and uh, and uh, you're going to pull for someone. And everyone loves Vegas, so pull for the team. I think of Vegas as this hot desert, and which it is, of course. But I forget how north it really is. And for it to be the northernmost Final Four team... Is shocking to me. Well, it that doesn't go over really well north of the border. I mean, uh, no. obviously they'd like to have seen Edmonton or, or Toronto, or and for that matter, Winnipeg or, or any of the Canadian teams do do better. But I think it speaks to the growth of the game, and this all comes back to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, hockey player Canada's ever produced, and Wayne Gretzky. This all started when. He got traded to Los Angeles and the growth of the game in the southern United States. And there would be no San Jose, no Anaheim, no Vegas, Phoenix, uh, and, you know, who knows wherever else. So uh, Gretz is responsible for this. So, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, I think, where it is. And obviously players love to play in these cities. But, uh, yeah, I think Gretz, you know, the expansion, him getting traded out of Edmonton really drove the growth of hockey in the uh, United States, especially uh, yeah. in the South. Well, and, and instead of San Jose and Anaheim and Vegas, we could have had Fort McMurray, Prince Albert, Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we did pretty well on that one, Sharples. 
Well, it wasn't too long ago that they were talking. Wasn't it St. Louis? They were looking yeah. to move to Saskatoon years ago. They missed an so, entire draft. They didn't. They they skipped the entire draft because they didn't know what was going on with the franchise. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think St. Louis is a great sports city, yeah. especially for the Blues and the Cardinals, and it's a great, great hockey market. And they've obviously they got their cup a couple years ago, or a few years ago, so. Uh, Things have worked out pretty well there. 2019, uh, Jeff Sharples, former National Hockey League defenseman, is with us, and he is as dialed in as anybody that I talk to, and I love to bring him on and pick his brain. You were on this uh, from the start, but we were wondering, did Jay Woodcroft get outcoached by Bruce Cassidy? You know, I, I don't... It's. I mean, I think... I think Butchie, I think Cassidy, Coach Cassidy's done a great job. And, you know, in, in uh, Jay's defense, he's got two Ferraris, and, you know, he wants to put them out there as much as he can. Uh, but I, I think what happened, and it, ha- it didn't just happen in the Golden Knights-Edmonton series, it happened throughout the year. Uh, when you, you know, when you can press a button and have instant offense, it's, it's hard to stay off that button. And, and what happened was McDavid and Dreisaitl, Played a ton of minutes throughout the year. I mean, I would watch, I watch Edmonton, uh, like I watch all the Western teams very closely, and the time on ice is, is insane. And I've had other coaches around the league tell me, "Well, wouldn't you do the same thing?" And I'm certainly not arguing with it. But when when it came, push came to shove at the end, and they needed some depth to step up, the depth just didn't play. And I know everybody wants to blame Skinner and and their middle six, uh, you know, and Kane. Uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, I think, would all tell you they didn't have the kind of series they needed to have. But other guys, like a guy named Mike Costin, who was very physical, uh, scored two goals against L.A., played eight minutes in that game, uh, was very physical against the Knights. In the last two games, he played three, three-and-a-half minutes. Janmark, everybody remembers him in Vegas. Without him, right, they don't get by uh, Minnesota in Game 7 with his hat-trick a few years ago. He's playing four to six minutes. And... I just know from a guy who's been in that position that it's tough. It's tough to sit there and then all of a sudden go out there and not think about just trying to survive, you know. Uh, and um, my thing is, I think less is more in Edmonton. I think less for their superstars will bring more uh, for the franchise and more success. And it's hard to argue their regular season success and last year in their Final Four, but I just think that, uh, yeah, you could say in the end, uh, Coach Cassidy's reliance on his depth players was what uh, won the day. But when you look at the Edmonton Oilers, maybe going into next year, how, how do you get there as a coach? Like if you're Jay Woodcroft, like how do you get there to kind of trust in your bottom six to give you those minutes that you need to lessen the load on McDavid and Drysital? Well, I mean, you don't have to look much further than the team who just eliminated them. Look at the players in Vegas that have been depth players over the course of the year and maybe over the course of their careers, and look at what they're doing now. Brett Howden, uh, Michael Amadio, who didn't even play the other night, but has been just outstanding. Uh, Will Carrier, who's been, you know, kind of a glue guy for the team, but, he, you know, he's getting it, he's just coming back off injury, but had a great year. Uh, these guys move up and down the lineup, and I think Edmonton has some guys that can do the same thing. I think McLeod is a wonderful young player up there that could, could use more ice time. I thought Fogel gave them some energy. And, uh, and I think a guy like Costin, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, he's not going to get 15 minutes a night, 
But I think when you have a big physical guy like that that can move uh, and it's in a seven-game series, that, you know, you have to play them earlier in the year. And when they did play, like Bukestad, I'll give you an example. He averaged probably 17 minutes a night in Arizona. Now I know it's the Arizona Coyotes. He gets traded up there. His last two games, he plays nine and seven minutes in this series against the Knights. And ironically enough, part of his seven minutes was in the last two minutes of the game the other night when, you know, the, the Knights closed them out. So I think, I just think that you have to rely on your depth earlier in the season, and sometimes it's going to bite you. But in the long run, I think if you look at the four teams that are left, their depth is superior to uh, a lot of the teams they played. Say minus a Boston that Florida just just out, ended up outworking, outplaying in, in the end. Jeff Sharples chatting with us on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. He played in the National Hockey League, a former Calgary or uh, Las Vegas Wrangler. Calgary Wranglers are back. You know that uh, the uh, the American Hockey League team. Uh, you must have gone up against them back in the day. Yeah, they were in the Western Hockey yeah. League, the Wranglers, back yeah. in the day. But uh, yeah, they're they're having a good season, and and uh, you know, uh, looks like. Uh, you know, there's some guys there that are going to be able to make the jump for the Flames next year, so they're they're got to be excited about that. What did you love about the Vegas performance in the six games against Edmonton? I loved the last four and a half periods mostly. Uh, there was some really good stuff in between, but I liked how hard they were on pucks and how their attention to detail really sharpened. Um, if you watch Game Seven, which we all did last night with Dallas and Seattle. The, the battles for the pucks and the decision with the pucks were tremendous. And I thought what Vegas did, and, and yeah, they got some great goaltending, but that, that's, you know, that's part of the deal. Uh, you need to get some saves. I just thought their puck management was really good, and they played a patient game. Even when Edmonton was kind of swarming them, and when Drysaddle and McDavid are out there together, it's got to be like a five-alarm fire in your head watching these two. But they did a really good job, and, I'll, and I think... Talking about depth again, they talk about Hag and White Cloud like they're a third pairing defenseman. These two guys are studs. They've been unbelievable. It's like I don't know if they need more of a coming out party, but again, these guys, you know, they get put back out there, put back out there, and and I, I really like uh, what they did, and I, I love the puck management and the willingness to do the right thing and make the simple play is what really kind of got Vegas going, and and of course Smith, Carlson, and Marsha Show front and center. Was there anything in that six-game series against the Oilers that, that maybe surprised you from the Golden Knights' perspective? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I don't know if it surprised me, but I kind of had a little chuckle when we were all walking out of the rink after Game 5 and Edmonton went three for four in the power play and we were all talking to each other about how great the penalty <laughs> kill was uh, that night. You know, um, I thought, you know, originally... I think until you get to see an opponent again, I think the power play uh, was something that kind of ate them up. But I think the coaching and, again, the players accepting their roles really helped kind of tamp down uh, Edmonton's power play as the series went on. And, of course, those two power play goals Vegas got in Game 5 were huge. And, you know, Mallard and I were kind of talking about it back and forth. I thought if we could half or three quarters for every goal they got, we could get a half or three quarters on the special team. I thought the five-on-five would would uh, you know kind of push Vegas over the top and and uh, yeah I think I think that's ultimately uh, when you start getting five on five play and you get special teams play you're hard to beat and Vegas did that in game five and game six they just played a really good road game. 
How different do you think the series will be against Dallas? Because they can go top-heavy as well if, if they want to load up, or they can lean on a little more depth uh, that they've used uh, throughout the year than Edmonton. I think as far as Vegas goes the rest of the way, they're going to see four lines in 6D. Didn't really see that in this last round as much. Um, but I will say that you know what I, I like about Dallas is they they're, they're, they play a very mature game. They they play a smart game. Uh, they can be heavy for sure. Uh, I think you know you've got some great leadership there. Rope Hints is kind of a McDavid dry sidle hybrid in my view. Uh, Joe Pavelski, everybody around Vegas knows what he's all about. They got some young guys that are chipping in. Uh, and White Johnson scored a beautiful goal last night and. And the guy, I mean, if I look at the series, and there's a couple of players on each team, I look as intangible players. Um, Max Domi's a guy to me that I think if Dallas has success, he's going to be a big part of it. And uh, and obviously, Heiskanen plays so much on the back end. Um, I think Vegas can get in on their D a little bit, but he plays 30 minutes a night, so they're going to have to redirect him and reroute him as much as they can. You know, on the on the topic of of the defense for the Dallas Stars, one guy that I think has impressed me a ton over the course of these playoffs is Thomas Harley. Uh, his his decision making with the puck, his his offensive instincts, his ability to skate and create plays. Um, how how much has kind of maybe his emergence for the Dallas Stars over the course of these postseason of this postseason helped out from from a, from an offensive production standpoint from getting points out of their blue line? Yeah, I think he kind of came to life in the. Uh... I mean, I thought he was good against Minnesota, and he's kind of, but he took that next step against Seattle, mm-hmm. and he, he can skate. He's a big guy. Uh, he can move the puck, and you know he's rangy, right? And so you put him out there; he can cover a lot of ice. And yeah, you need players like that. And he's a good young player that's come in and done a lot of good good work for him, um, along with Heiskanen, who, like I said, is going to play thirty minutes a night. He's kind of like uh, Cal McCarr, light almost. He. He doesn't seem to get tired out there. He's a little bigger than Makar is. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I think their D really stepped up for him when they needed it. But I, I do believe that if Vegas, for them to have success, again, they're going to have to work them very similar to the way they work Edmonton and just make them play in their own zone. And, uh, and once they do that, because Vegas is very good off the transition, but they're a good cycle team, um, I think that's where you're going to have the success. Because I don't know if, Dallas is as fast, say, as Edmonton, but they're definitely, they're, they're definitely their puck management and their willingness to get in lanes and do what's necessary is at an extremely high level. So Vegas is going to have to make them come to their feet. Yeah, Hints, great. Uh, Johnson, uh, Jason Robertson only has two goals, but uh, he can break out. And then you've got the Sagan, the Domi, the uh, the the Ben uh, side of things. So there's uh, there's more to this team that you have to watch out for. And you're right, uh, all the teams left uh, do roll those four lines a lot more than the Edmonton Oilers and the 6D. When you look at this series and... There's so much that's going to be known because Pete knows Vegas and John Stevenson knows uh, Dallas and Misha Donskov and Ryan Craig have worked with with Pete and Steve Spot. So uh, the intel is already there. Uh, There's certain places that you can take advantage of it. One place that Vegas has to be wary of is the high flipper. Do you do you love the high flipper? Because Dallas uses it a lot. I, I do. I mean, it's a new breakout in the NHL, yes. right? And 
you know, you talk about intangibles. One of the guys is really good at it, and I think is a huge intangible for the Knights going forward is Shea Theodore. You know, he is, when he's going and everything, he uses it. I mean, there's other guys uh, on the D. Martinez will use it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that puts so much stress on the D. That's like an infield fly rule with two or three guys coming at you. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, just it, it's it's tough. And, and uh, I, I think the, the narrative of Pete and, you know, the Vegas connection, you know, and John against them, I think at this point, like, I don't think it's, there's knowledge there, but I don't know if it necessarily is to help get anybody fired up. Because if you can't get fired up for the final four, then you probably should do something else. So I think that narrative will kind of go away. Is Pete going to want to stick it to the Knights? 100%. But the Knights are going to want to stick it right back to him. So uh, I think that narrative doesn't really fly. I know the media will probably use it a little bit, but I think these are just two really, really good teams. Um, I expect lower scores. And I expect really tight games. So um, I, I do believe we're going to see some overtime. And um, I do believe we're going to see some just absolutely amazing hockey uh, as we go through the next week, uh, 10 days, two weeks here. As a former defenseman, uh, how do you handle the high flipper? And the high flipper is in their own zone. Dallas, will a defenseman will just throw it, uh, flip it out to center ice. It's high. You don't know which way it's going to bounce, but they've got a guy going. And it's resulted in a goal last night uh, when Seattle misplayed the puck. And you can, if you time it right, you're off to the races. As a defender, do you get up close to the puck or do you retreat and let it bounce and try to react to it? Well, you know, I mean, it gets flipped up, so it, you got it goes up into the crowd, and depending on the meshing, like at Dallas, you've got that white mesh behind, you know, in Vegas, you got the darker mesh. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, I mean, that's going on, plus 18,000 people on top of you and these guys coming at you. To me, I would like to try and catch it, like, into my upper body if I could and have it go forward. I think really what you want to have happen on those plays is you're a defenseman is not have it bounce and go sideways or behind you. Right. If you can, try and have it go forward. And then if you get blown up on the play because some guy's coming at you 100 miles an hour, uh, that's okay. It gives everyone else a chance to, uh, you know, to, to recalibrate and get in uh, behind you. But if it goes to your side or behind you, uh, then that's a lot of trouble. And like last night, uh, that puck, you know, that happened, uh, the bounce, it was a really tough break for Lexiak. He's been wonderful in Seattle this year. Just the wrong guy coming down on him at the right time. Hence, is just like a, a freight train and uh, with, with uh, the ability, uh, like Barishnikov, to move. And that's what he did. He came in and, and, and made the play, and that, that was tough. It would have been nice to be able to see him get a stick on it and shoot it towards the boards or forward. But in that case, he could have shot it off Hintz, too. It's just he tried to make a move, and Hintz, uh and knocked it off the stick. You know, you, you've talked about how when you, you get down to the Final Four and you certainly look at the four teams that are left, it, there's there's not too much that's separating all four of these teams. The depth is there. Certainly they're playing well at this moment. Do, when, when you look at Vegas and Dallas, do, do you have a favorite? Is there a, a favorite in this series that you can tell? Uh, I think, you know, if, if you want to talk about favorite as far as maybe Vegas has the extra home game, um, then you could maybe tip the hat to them. I mean, you know, Vegas just hasn't seemed to get the amount of respect this year 
that they've earned. They don't, they don't deserve it. They've earned it. Uh, you know, like listening to up in Edmonton again today, it was like how they beat themselves. And a lot of people thought Winnipeg might take Vegas out. So, uh, you know, they might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder there. Um, and, and, you know, where they've kind of thought they've been, haven't, uh, you know, been treated as well as they'd like this year. And maybe that's a little motivation to help push them over the top. But other than the extra game at home, which really means nothing if Dallas wins one of the first two, um, I don't think there's a lot to, uh, I mean, you can cut this thing right down the middle. These are two really, really good teams. Um, they both do certain things really well. Maybe a slight edge to Vegas uh, on the blue line, I think. Um, and so if you were going to look at the series, you might give a slight edge to Vegas there. Um, the way Aiden Hill's been playing, um, you know, right now against Ottinger, obviously Ottinger would be the guy you'd look at that's a little bit uh you know, a little bit more established, but the way Aiden Hill's been playing, um, you know, right now, I mean, some of the saves he made the other night were unreal, and he steadied the ship back there, too. So uh, maybe, like I said, maybe the D, a tip of the hat to Vegas, but other than that, uh, whoever I think gets to their game uh, first, obviously, is very important. But to me, special teams are going to be important because Dallas's power play is similar to Edmonton's in the way they run it. Hintz kind of does the McDavid thing where he moves around, Robertson sits over on the elbow like dry saddle. So and Pavelski uh, tipping pucks. And yeah. and you know and that's a big great point, Miller. You got uh, Hyman standing in front causing havoc uh, for for Edmonton. But Joe Pavelski sits up a little higher, and yeah. man, he's like a wizard with that stick. So yeah, you you definitely have some things you got to contend with. If you're down two, how early do you pull your goalie? I. <laughs> Because you, you, yeah. you, you text me like eight minutes to go, and you're like, the goalie's coming out. I'm like, I know the goalie's eventually <laughs> going to come out, but you don't have to say it with eight minutes to go. <laughs> hey, Rick Bonus. I mean, that was crazy. Yeah. People sitting around us in game five when he pulled out uh, Hallibuck with eight minutes. People around us didn't even know he was gone. And to be honest <laughs> with you, I didn't. It took me, I was like, oh, wow. Hallibuck's out of net. I like, I think if you're down two, I think you've got to go I, I, four minutes. Anywhere from four thirty to four, you can high threes. I think you got to get them out. Uh, and if you if you got the momentum going your way, uh, I thought Seattle was a little late to get their goalie out last night. To be honest with you, just my two cents from sitting with a remote in my hand. Uh, you you know, wanted them gone at the fr- at the intermission. You're like, hey, they they got to yeah. get that goalie out. They got to get the goalie. Out. <laughs> I, I I like I like the aggressiveness of these guys pulling <laughs> these goalies earlier. I mean, back in the day when I played back in the horse and buggy era, mm-hmm. you know, you used to have like a minute, minute 10. Oh, we got to get them out. Like if you were at a minute 35, people are freaking out. But now these guys are pulling these goalies way in advance. And I think, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, they, there's a lot of action going on. Uh, what was it like playing without the forward pass? <laughs> well, I, mean, I had to laugh when you said high, high flip. High back flipper. when I played, there was no such a thing as a high flip big run it up to center ice, and put a soft dump in your corner and try and run you into row six. Yeah, like, you'd be uh, four guys you know, on you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. If, if someone wasn't laying down after a forecheck uh, because they were injured, then the other team's coaches were, were giving it to their forwards. Like, yeah, it was brutal. But uh, that, that's kind of been replaced now with the high flip, which I think is, is, gives D just fits. Yeah. Uh, we got John Shannon coming up. Uh, we got to fly, uh, but uh, you're welcome anytime. 
Thanks, buddy. Love to all. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. You're the best. Uh, there's Jeff Sharples, our good buddy, uh, former Las Vegas Wrangler, National Hockey League defenseman. Coming up, the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, John Shannon, stops by. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. He used to have the most important job in Canada. Now he's willing to give us a few minutes. It's time to chat with John Shannon. The uh, biggest fan of Grimaldi Pizza right here. It's John, John Shannon. Uh, did you get that uh, care package I sent you? You haven't sent me anything in years. <laughs> well done. Kind of down a wrong path, maybe, but that's a, that's about it. Uh, I was going to send you a Grimaldi no, Pizza. No, we are. No, we are. Listen, we're when when I get to Vegas, we're going to Grimaldi's. So, are you going to come for the Western Conference Final or the Stanley Cup Final? Should they advance there? I might come next round. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Are you going to stay yeah. with us? Was that? Are you going to stay with uh, Jen and I, or are you going to get your own pad on the strip? Well, you know what? I, I'm I'm pretty wild and crazy at night, you know. Yeah, I, I know that. I just want to know, because uh, you can let the dogs out uh, in the morning. That, that yeah, I do that at home, too. That's one of my key jobs. So, Vegas wins. Uh, I'm not sure they'll ever get the credit they deserve based on the reaction in Edmonton. I don't know whether it matters at all. But how impressed were you at winning that series in six the way they did? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think outside of Edmonton, I think the Golden Knights got a ton of respect. Um, I, I think that when you looked at particularly games five and six, you had to be wildly impressed at their second periods and then the way they held on in the third and, and really did in so many ways manage what was supposed to be one of the great offenses of NHL history, whether it be five-on-five five or even on, on the, the Oiler power play. You know, when you look back at all the, the events that occurred, um, that five-minute major, the Colasar major in game five, um, might have been one of the key points in the whole series based on allowing just one goal against in those five minutes. Well, it was a big win in that moment for the Golden Knights to to be able to get out of that five-minute major still ahead in the game. And, you know, one of the aspects that I think come, kind of coming into this series is we were trying to figure out whether or not the Golden Knights' depth would be able to put the Edmonton Oilers into a position where, you know, maybe Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl will run out of gas. Did you view it that way? Did you think that toward the end of that series – that maybe Connor and Leon didn't have that extra juice because of all the uh, all the minutes that they logged and and how much they were being relied upon to be the 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 source of the goals. I don't think Connor did. I think Leon did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you, you and I, I've been around Leon since he joined the NHL and and you can sense it just in his body language of what he's feeling, how he's feeling. Uh, and there were at least two third periods where I, you know, made a remark to someone, oh, Leon's done. You could just sense it. Uh, you could sense it in game two uh, at a point, and certainly in game six, where he, w- he it, it wasn't for lack of desire, but he had given so much, uh, and then the, uh, you combine frustration with exertion, and there's just nothing left. John Shannon's with us, former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, the Final Four 
all feature some stars, but are a more balanced roster than, say, Edmonton or Toronto. Yeah. Do you think teams will start? Does this does this set a trend? Well, I it, listen. I do know that uh, in discussing it with certain people, even here in Toronto, there there is an acknowledgement that you you have to have complete teams. You have to have teams that you know you don't necessarily notice a difference when the second line changes and the fourth line goes out. Uh, that's a, that, that was something we saw out of Seattle a lot this year. And I know you probably noticed it in the series against Dallas. Uh, but at the same time, I think we saw that out of the Golden Knights a, a great deal in, in both of the series, in Winnip- against Winnipeg uh, and, and against Edmonton. So from that perspective, I think people have and are taking notice if they can manage the cap. And that becomes the real issue, Darren, is, you know, the moment... The moment you you have superstars that demand more than a certain percentage of the cap, then you then you 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 back yourself into that corner. You know, I mean, look, look let's look here in Toronto. They have the opportunity on July the first to sign Austin Matthews to a brand new contract. Well, he's not taking a pay cut, and he's making eleven point three four. Get that three four. He's making $11.34 million a year now. Well, based on where he is and what he's done, I wouldn't be surprised to see the next number close to 14. Yeah. And so you, you put Matthews at 14, where, 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 how much money does that leave for the other guys? And the answer is, in a, in a cap that hasn't moved near as much as we thought it would, it doesn't leave them very much, and it doesn't leave the team very much opportunity to improve the bottom six. So everybody would take the superstars. Everybody. Well, here's the It is a curse. Well, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. When, when, when Kelly made the trade for Mark Stone, everybody rolled the eyes with the amount of money that Kelly was giving Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. And yet it's proved to be a brilliant contract now. You know, long-term intangibles that he brings, controllable money. It's, it's, it's the perfect superstar contract for the team. may not be perfect for Mark Stone, but it's the perfect superstar contract for the team. And, and so the, the question becomes is when, when can you sign players of that ilk uh, to contracts when you know the business is going well, when you know the cap is going to go up, I mean, everything happened in a lot of these cities with these big numbers because, you know, the first two years Vegas was in the league, we were talking about by now, in 2023, we were going to have a $100 million cap. Mm-hmm. It's going to be $100 million. Could you imagine what some of these big clubs would do with, uh, do with a $100 million cap and, and how much more advantageous it would be? The problem was that you know, business fell flat, the pandemic struck. You know, we've 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 tried to ma- manage our way out of the business. It seems to be going all right, but you but we're still paying the price for those three years of flat business. So, like in the context of this off season, the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and understanding what they were able to accomplish, winning around, but not necessarily going 
uh, deeper than than people expected them to kind of getting past that first round. What do you do to make this team better? How do you improve Toronto going into next year so that they are a better constructed team to win in the playoffs? Major structural change. You know, they have, a, they have here a thing called the core four. Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Marner. Those four will not play together next year. So the question is, who's the one that's going to go? Who's the one that's going to be signed? How do they manage their way through one of the bad contracts? And how do they keep everybody happy without paying them near as much as the market will bear? So that, but that's, Ryan, that's what's going to have to happen. Because, and here's the other thing. And, and the thing you love about watching the Golden Knights play, and, you know, and Darren knows this, Alex Petrangelo is one of my favorite players in the whole NHL. Because mm-hmm. um, he hates to lose. And as we saw, he will do almost anything not to lose. Mark Stone's the same way. Well, not every team is constructed that way with those types of guys. Not every team has that, that, uh, that tenacity and that urgency. And that's really how you construct a team, is you find players with that tenacity and urgency. Uh, and I know people in Vegas don't take it for granted, but not every team has guys like Stone and Petrangelo on their roster. Everybody is just, they're green with envy when they look at 61 and 7 do what they do for that club. John Shannon's with us, uh, VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Would you sign Matthews to an extension? Uh, what am I going to get for him if I trade? Am I getting Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger? I don't know. Yeah, yeah what am I getting for him? He can, does... I get, can I get three great players? Not superstars, but I can, can I get three great players? I think you have to look at everything. He's got a modified no trade, right? Not until July 1st. Right. So you'd have to get in front of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you think we'll hear anything? But we'll a modified anything? no trade means is that, you know, he, there's six teams six. he wants to go to. So do you, can, you, can you do a deal with one of those teams? I, I'm not suggesting they will. I don't think they will. I think that if Kyle Dubas is the manager, and I've, I've gone back and forth on this over the last couple of days, whether he will or won't be the manager. Today I'm, I, will, I, I think he will be a man, the manager. Okay, so. I, I'm on the other side today. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so you, and you may be right. Um, but if Dubas is the manager, then, then Matthews gets signed here. So, so do you think that if, I mean, obviously you, you say that if, if there's a different direction, a different general manager in Toronto, do you think that makes it more likely that Austin Matthews potentially not being a Leaf is, is more or less on the table? Oh, I think that, uh, I even think if Dubas is the manager, that there's a lot more on the table now huh. than there was uh, after they lost in five games to Florida. Uh, this fan base here, and actually, Vegas is part. Vegas is part of the frustration for Toronto fans. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Seattle is part of the frustration yeah. for Toronto fans. I mean, Vegas has been to more Stanley Cup finals than Toronto has since 1967. Vegas has had more, been in more conference finals in five years, six now, 
that Toronto has been ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, so there is a, a little bit of frustration of, look at those guys, why yeah. can't we do that? Well, part of it was because the conference finals didn't exist back in the 60s. Yeah, well, so, but 50s, conference yeah. finals yeah. started in 67 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 67, yeah I, know. I know. I'm just trying to, to let, because people will be wondering, well, Toronto's been around, they won Stanley Cup, so well, yeah, they don't yeah, the they, original six. There, have, yeah. there wasn't conference finals. He, he, but, you know, Darren, for the first time this week, is right. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm way ahead. I might back it off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. For well, the there's a game the Friday, so don't screw it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, what are you expecting uh, out of Carolina and Florida? Um, well, I've been so wrong. That's what, that's the magic of these playoffs. I've been so wrong, and I think everybody's been so wrong. Yeah. Um, it is going to be a physical, uh, no-nonsense, fast series. I expect Carolina to win in five. Hmm. Wow. I think, Carolina, I think Carolina will come out of the East. Um, and I'll tell you what, I think the, you know, the, I've watched every Vegas game in the playoffs closely. Uh, and they're tough, they're tough to vote against except Jake Ottinger can steal one game for Dallas, and maybe he can steal two. I think the Dallas-Vegas game, you know, and you're, you guys are in the sports betting capital of the world. I think it's a pick between Vegas and Dallas. Well, all the ESPN announcers took Edmonton in seven. I think there was one <laughs> that took Vegas uh, in that one. And Well, but, yeah. So I think, I think you should take Dallas just so we can use it as motivation. Mm-hmm. What, what motivate? How you now? How will it affect John? Shannon. How would affect the team if you're motivated? Because because you you said it, and we're gonna stick it on the bulletin board. <laughs> oh yeah. Do they have bulletin yeah. boards? Well, here, that's the here, here's the magic, Ryan. Here's the magic of John Shannon says yes. They Dallas in six, mm-hmm. and then they'd put it on the bulletin board, and 19 guys would turn around and look and say, "Who the hell is John Shannon?" <laughs> 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 That's not the truth. No, no, that, no. The, the, co- the coach would know, the manager would know, and the president would know. So there you go. He wrote Evolve or Die. <laughs> what a best yeah. book title of all time. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, so you won't be coming this round, but you may no. come for the next round. Yeah. Okay. I'll have your bed made. Good. Well, you know, and I like eggs in the morning. Oh, good. I'll um, make sure that they're out for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just tell me where the fry pan is. Exactly. <laughs> I would love for you to come because you, people love you. I, I'm whenever I'm out at the rink, uh, uh, and people love John Shannon. They, you got to have John on more and uh, uh, get him on the the TV side. I, I think it's it'd be great for you to be here and see some of the people that you've really influenced and had uh, a fun time uh, getting to know uh, through the radio. Well, you know, and 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 I mean, when you go to the Stanley Cup final, the ma- the magic about the Stanley Cup final, I don't have to tell lots of people in Vegas, but is that there is a, an army of people that travel from final to final, and I know most of them too. So it's in many ways, after you consider how many finals I was part of and organized and ran, uh, going to the Stanley Cup final is kind of like going home. It is. Yeah. You built that house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Built it, tore it down, built it again. Yeah. And then they kicked you out. And then they said, oh, change the locks. Buggers. Uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Shani. Okay, all right. Hey. Yep. Hello, George. 
<laughs> I like it. I always wonder whether you're going to forget or not. And then I'm, never I, go- I'm not going to forget. Hey, listen, the only time it didn't run the last time was somebody was a little off. too quick on the button. Yeah, Chapman cut you off. And yeah, I scolded him severely. It wasn't even, wasn't even, I wasn't even in the wasn't building. Even no, it wasn't. It was, it, was the, it was the intern. Yeah, Jared. Ooh, Jared. Yeah. 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 He'll never last in this business. Well. Be good. Well, that means he's going to be management. If you were if you were producing right now, you'd be yelling at me. Get the I break. Was, no, Get the break. That's not true. The only person ever yelled at was you. Get the break. Make sure. This is a, you're not even talking to hockey anymore. Uh, we'll talk to you tonight, uh, on Thursday. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do that. Right. Uh, there's John Shannon, former executive producer, Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCowan podcast. I cannot believe that Chapman cut him off the other day, but we've turned the page on that. We will not bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up, Chappie. I was not going to, except for John raised it, and now I can jump all over it. But now it's over, okay? It's put to bed. Whatever Just you don't say, Don't ever guy. do it again. Whatever you say. Yep, hour number two, you hear from Bruce Cassidy, uh, media availability today, and one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League, all on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. I've never done this before, ever. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, Ryan Wallace. Uh, so we, uh, we we phoned up uh, this guy named Oscar. Oscar, are you are you there? Yes, I'm All here. Right. Uh, how's your day, buddy? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So you answer the phone, and all you heard was Chris Chapman saying, "Hey, it's uh, Chris Chapman, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. We want to put you on the air." What are you thinking right now? Uh, My heart is uh, pounding. Definitely, I'm nervous. Uh, (laughs) I'm wondering what the call for. Wasn't expecting one, but uh, no. But you agreed to come on. You didn't even ask a question. You said, "Yeah, I'll come on." Like there was no question that you said. I love you guys. I listen to you guys every day. Why? Why would I deny a call? I awesome. love this. Fantastic. I was listening to Chapman talk to him. Like he didn't ask why or what. Nope, nope. Oscar. So uh, you qualified to uh, the go to Game Seven uh, yeah. in our Game Seven contest, and uh, there was no Game Seven, so we have to give away a supplementary prize, uh, the Porta oh. Subs uh, Playoff Contest, and that supplementary prize because uh, there was no Game Seven is an autographed VGK jersey signed by William Carlson. Would you like that? Oh, my goodness. I will love that. <laughs> well, we would like to give it to you. You are our grand prize winner of the uh, Game 7 contest, which there was no Game 7. We can't control that, but we're going to make you happy. Congratulations. Definitely happy. Definitely happy. That is outstanding. Uh, Oscar, are you, who's your favorite player? Um, oh, Man, i got to give it to our captain, Mark Stone. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not bad at all. Uh, what do you think the chances are against Dallas? Okay, so that's one thing. The, the, all the insiders are trying to say that it's um, Dallas is going to take it, but I, I don't know. The way we're playing with our dead, uh, I really do think we're going to win it in six. I don't see us going to seven. I like the uh, – well, you got to pick game six because if it would have gone to game seven, you wouldn't have the autographed jersey. <laughs> right? <laughs> True. Uh, hang on. Uh, Chapman's going to talk to you. He's going to get all your information, uh, which I think we already have, but we want to double-check that to make sure that uh, you know how to get your autographed William Carlson jersey. And thanks for being a great uh, loyal listener of the VGK Insider Show. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so, so much. There's Oscar. Uh, you listen, you win. And we've mm-hmm. got this growing audience through this Stanley Cup playoff run. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we do.
Yeah, not only do you get the signed jersey, but uh, you also get the opportunity to talk to Darren Millard for mm-hmm. a little bit. Like that is winning in and of itself. So and I the, was nice to him. You were. I was. That was amazing. I was very proud of you. Porta Subs, uh, thank you uh, for that great, great prize package. And we were right in the fence. Like, what happens if there's no game seven? Yeah. And then they came up with, "Wow, we'll go signed VGK jersey." Yeah, not bad. You listen to the VGK Insider Show. You qualify to win. We might just do that. In this round, too. Yeah, we will. Let's come up with a plan for this series against Dallas. And maybe we'll qualify for somebody in hour number two. I think that works. I like it. I'm the I'll rules come, guy. Uh, yeah, you are. You you come up with the rules okay. because I would just like give everybody a qualifying chance. But, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see who can follow in Oscar's footsteps on the VGK Insider Show. Hour number two, Bruce Cassidy coming up. He's got some great things to talk about about the inside information going into this series, and then one-timers on Fox Sports Las Vegas.